Welcome to the November 2023 episode of RCV Clips, our podcast about all things ranked choice voting. I'm Kelly, a member of the Resource Center staff, and in today's episode, I'll be talking with my co-host, Chris Hughes, about RCV Maps 2023, which is now available on our website. Chris, it's great to see you here on the show. It's been a while since we've been here together. Yeah, it's good to be back on RCV Clips. Before we get started, you know, I always like to throw out a question, especially when it's just me and you, because it's kind of fun for the audience to get to know the host. So we were thinking about, I was thinking about the topic, RCV Maps, it's state-based project. What is the first state that you visited, except for the one you were born in, in Ohio, what's the first state you visited? I don't know. I, I am certain the first state I ever went to was Indiana, because my grandparents lived there, but it's a time long past that I have no memory of, but that's my answer. <laughs> I, I like it. I like it. How many states do you think you've been to? I have notes. I will look them up. I keep track of this thing. <laughs> you actually have notes. <laughs> so the first state that I visited besides North Carolina was probably Georgia or Virginia. No, actually, you know what? It was it was South Carolina because my family always vacationed at Myrtle Beach. But the first really exciting state I ever visited was Hawaii when I was in the fourth grade. It was amazing and one of the best trips of my life, for sure. You know, this is this is bragging, but I went to Australia in fourth grade before I ever went to Hawaii, but I did go to Hawaii in 10th grade. Wow. So you flew over Hawaii, essentially, before you actually... Went there. I have not been to Australia, but definitely on my bucket list. I've been to Japan and I've been to Europe, but um, no Australia. So that'd be exciting. And actually, Australia uses ranked choice voting also. I mean, maybe that's how I wound up here. That's probably how you wound up here. And a perfect segue into talking a little bit about ranked choice voting. <laughs> we could talk a lot about travels because we travel all the time. But before we get into RCV maps, election day is behind us. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about what that looked like for ranked choice voting this year? Yeah, I'll keep this short because I think, you know, we're recording this the day after Election Day. So there's still, I think, a lot of information we have to learn about how everything went. But in short, there yesterday, there were 28 races that used ranked choice voting in 11 cities spread across six states. And then another 10 cities are going to be using ranked choice voting later this year or later this month in Utah for specific Utah reasons we won't get into here. But those, I mean, from what I've seen, those all those elections went pretty smoothly. No big surprises. Luckily, a sort of boring election day. Uh, I think the three things I'm most excited about are, one, Boulder, Colorado used ranked choice voting for the first time this year, uh, yesterday. And they're actually going to be running a risk-limiting audit of their ranked choice voting elections later this month. Um, And I'm hoping we'll get to hear more about that in a future episode of the podcast. Uh, Stay tuned. Minnetonka, Minnesota had a ranked choice voting repeal on the ballot, but that was defeated. I don't know the exact totals, but last I checked, it was like 58-42. So it was a pretty solid win uh, for keeping ranked choice voting in the city of Minnetonka. And then three new cities uh, in Michigan adopted ranked choice voting. That's East Lansing, Kalamazoo, and Royal Oak. It was definitely exciting to wake up this morning. All of my ranked choice voting message streams were 
we're cheerful and happy and celebratory um, because of the Minnetonka win, because of the Michigan win. So, you know, it, it is exciting to see this reform moving and growing. And that actually puts us into a position of having even more work because we come in and help with the implementation. But, you know, before that even happens, we actually can provide some help as well. And that is one of the functions of the RCB Maps project. Can you give us a little bit of information for those who may be listening who don't know anything about RCB Maps? What what is it? What does it look like? What formats it in? Yeah. So I'm essentially going to summarize the first page of the RCB Maps reports. So if you're very interested, please go ahead and read them after this episode. But know that some of this will be repeated information. Yeah. So RCB Maps is the Resource Center sort of like flagship research project. It's the thing that we spend the most time making. And the goal of the project is twofold. One, just to serve as a like an introduction to ranked choice voting election administration to explain to people, here's what it takes to implement to run a ranked choice voting election at the high level. Everything in it is written both for advocates and policymakers, people who aren't experts in election administration, but maybe are curious about ranked choice voting and want to sort of get down to brass tacks about it and for election administrators who are looking for a guide to, well, people are talking about this thing in my jurisdiction, or I just had ranked choice voting adopted, what do I do now? This is our our attempt to sort of give you the a head start on all of those conversations. And the second, the more specific part of RCV Maps is a voting systems analysis. We're looking at the state level. I think that's something I should probably highlight Every RCB Maps report is focused on a specific state. It's about the state of Alaska or the state of Alabama or the state of Hawaii and what it could do for ranked choice voting if ranked choice voting got adopted tomorrow. So the the other thing it's looking at is voting systems. And most uh, states in the country actually administer elections at like the locality level, at the city level or at the county level. And so the voting systems used in, in a state can vary quite a lot from city to city or county to county. And so we wanted to take the data that's out there that's available from places like Verified Voting and from Secretary of State offices that are tracking this information about what equipment, what the stuff being used, like the hardware and software used to run elections now, what it can do for ranked choice voting at the county or the city level to determine, well, this state already has all the hardware and software it needs to run ranked choice voting, or this state needs to make a couple upgrades in like this county over here, or that city over there. Uh, so those are the two big things we're trying to do is just explain the implementation of ranked choice voting in general and really get specific in a state to say, hey, these counties could do ranked choice voting if they wanted to adopt it locally. But if you want to do it statewide, you might need to make upgrades in like these parts of your state. It really is a great tool. And when it first launched in 2021 with our, our first iteration of this project, I, I think people really found it to be a unique and new tool that no one had provided before. We learned a lot through that process in 21. <laughs> I see, I know this is an audio medium, but I could see Chris's eyes and eyebrows kind of widening and going, you know, raising his eyebrows. We did some changes and we made some changes to this, to the reports this year. What are some of the things that are different about the reports? I actually really like the new format and I'm excited to see, I think it's more from the perspective of a reader, it's more reader friendly. It's easier to, to understand and synthesize the information, but what specifically are the things that are different? Yeah. So as we worked on the first version of RCB Maps, there were parts that were sort of frustrating <laughs> to write and draft and to read. But 
we were far enough down the road that I was like, we need to just finish this project and get it out the door and we'll make it better next time. (laughs) And so a lot of the stuff we've updated in the 2023 edition that's coming out now is stuff that I realized that I was found frustrating or that we kept getting questions about from people when they were reading it. They were like, I don't understand this part. What are you trying to tell me? So those were the big things for me that I wanted to update and improve. So to get more specific, we in the 2021, the first edition of RCB Maps, we spent a lot of time analyzing ballot design law state by state, analyzing results reporting procedures state by state. But those were really that was really time consuming research and always felt a little bit underbaked. Like there was still more analysis to be done to give a really meaningful answer if we wanted to say specifically, oh, under the ballot design laws in this state, you could totally do ranked choice voting, or these are the compromises you need to make. Or, you know, if you're looking at your results reporting procedures and laws and regulations, like these are the things that work, these are the things that need updating. Those are really detailed analyses that require a level of local expertise that we don't have the capacity to build if we want to make these reports on a regular basis. So we pulled back on that. We just went to a higher level and said, hey, here's how how ballots get designed across the country. Here's some best practices. Now, as people who are looking locally, you can dig in a bit deeper. And we're there with our resources or with the resources from the legal roundtable that we're a part of to, if you do want to really dig in on those questions, we can get that support for you. We just weren't going to do it for every single state. And similarly on the results reporting stuff, there's so much happening behind the scenes and it's difficult to sort of reverse engineer that from the outside. And that's part of what we were trying to do. And I realized that wasn't working. The other thing that I think was is complex is describing the results reporting process And we wanted, I I spent a lot of time simplifying that and making it as readable as possible for a general audience so that people could understand, well, here's the big moving parts in results reporting in general. Here's the where the moving parts in the logistics and the sort of play-by-play of creating election results. Here's where ranked choice voting specifically comes into play. And we put a lot of work into just making that more making that make more sense for as many people as possible. The other two big things I'm excited about are, one, we got a bunch of requests from people for information about registered voters and ranked choice voting capable voting systems. Because in the original RCV maps, all we did was analyze how many counties or cities in a state could do ranked choice voting. We didn't look at all at like, well, what what share of registered voters live in counties with ranked choice voting capable equipment and we did that because like the fungible thing, the thing that needs upgrades is the equipment in the county. And so that's what we focused on. But registered voter data is also valuable here because it tells you like, oh, well, I might have 50 counties. I'm thinking of the state of Texas in particular. I might have 50 counties that have older equipment that needs to get upgraded, but they're quite rural and have a really small share of the population. So it changes the framework and changes how you think about the conclusion of the results when you uh, of each assessment when you can see, well, 97% of registered voters in this state live in ranked choice voting capable counties, but even as like 50 or so counties need to upgrade their equipment. Obviously, that's still really important. I don't want to say just because you live in a rural, smaller county, that's less pressing, but it does focus the analysis and tell you it's a smaller share of voters. That means you need uh, less equipment 
than you might think if you have, if it's 50 counties, you might only need one piece of equipment for each of those counties because they're smaller and rural, as opposed to a big urban county where you would need to get tons and tons of equipment if it needed to get new equipment. I said two things. Oh, the other, <laughs> the other thing I'm excited about is the new design. The last time we made RCV maps, we did all the design in-house and it was good, but I, I, was, I felt like I wanted to do more with it this time. And so we got connected with this designer, Ruby Western, who made a new design for us, sort of building on the design language we already had. And I'm so excited. I think they look so good. Uh, it's very, I, there's something about like getting these reports in like a design state that you're like, oh, these are, this is good. Like, I, it feels like it really sort of makes it complete and makes it, bring, it brings the whole project together. And I'm very excited about that. I am too. And Ruby is incredibly talented and helped us out with some other projects we worked um, in conjunction with Represent Us and Democracy Rising. You may be may have heard about Protect the Win. Um, she did all the design for that book. And um, we were really excited to be able to bring her on board to do the MAPS project, which also from the comms department perspective is really great because we're not having to put them into templates. <laughs> Those reports can be um, daunting in terms of getting them completed. So uh, we were glad to lean in on her expertise. One thing I was just thinking as you were talking about the changes to RCB maps, I think it's important to note that, you know, when you have all of these big puzzle pieces put together, you can really understand the framework for your state. And then, you know, you're local to the state, then you can plug in the things that you need locally, but you have already have the framework built. And that's one of the things that we do is we help you build the scaffolding. We don't come in and tell you how to run your elections. We just offer the support and the the big picture and the, the detailed minutiae if you need that. But, you know, I think RCB Maps is a really great jumping off point for that. So a lot of different things, a lot of new things, a lot of exciting things, including our design. What are some of the things that stayed the same that, you know, if you've used this pro- this tool already, what el- what can you expect to look similar or be s- the same thing as you saw in 2021? Like you were saying about like sort of building this framework and this structure for understanding the conversation of, of what ranked choice voting implementation is, a lot of that is the same, right? We're still trying to hit all the big topics. We're talking about ballot design. We're talking about producing results. We're talking about displaying results. We're talking about voter education. We've just made all of those parts better at talking about their subject area. They're clearer there and they give more direct advice where possible or say, and you'll need to go figure this out a bit more in your locality or like this is a bit of a gap. We want to make sure you understand that this is a gap. The other big thing that stayed the same, of course, is the voting system analysis. Obviously, some of our results are different. Places have been buying new equipment the last couple of years, which is great. Places are moving to like far more places are using modern voting equipment that can can run ranked choice voting elections either now or after a software upgrade. But the way we structure that analysis is the same, right? We're still looking at the city, at the county level, trying to understand what equipment in what counties can do ranked choice voting and what does that capability look like? What does it mean for if you adopted ranked choice voting, what sorts of ranked choice voting could you do? We we kept all of that as similar as possible, just making sure it was more up to date and more accurate from conversations with vendors about their capability and from that updated data that, like I said, verified voting has pulled together from across the country on the equipment used across the country. Yeah, I think that's great information. And, and I think folks will recognize that that structure is still in place I know we've mentioned who can use RCB maps. We've mentioned a lot of 
things about what they what RCB Maps does, but do you have some examples or some some information you can share with our listeners about how to use this tool? What what are the best practices for using this tool? The first thing I think of the thing I would use this for if I were running like state or local campaigns is I would use this to identify, well, on the administrative side, a relatively easy win. Where's places where I don't need to go get a bunch of funding to buy a bunch of new equipment just to run ranked choice voting? And I think you could do that at the state level, right? But ranked choice voting advocacy in particular is still quite focused on city and county level stuff. So even if your state maybe doesn't have a great like ranked choice voting readiness score, which is how we're scoring the the voting equipment used in a, in a state, you could still check at the city or county level and say, oh, well, all these cities do have ranked choice voting capable equipment. All these counties do have ranked choice voting capable equipment. I'll try to focus my work there. That's how I think about it for advocates, people designing the strategy for ranked choice voting campaigns. Um, and for policymakers too, right? It helps you if you're interested in a, a pilot program or a local options bill, this helps you identify, well, here's some places where we could sort of get balls rolling to try out ranked choice voting in my, uh, in my state. And then for election administrators, I hope it helps them both understand better what the equipment they already have. Like if someone's a county clerk and is like, what can I even do for ranked choice voting? And they want to find out. This is, to me, we're trying to build this as a first step for you to give you at least the framework for understanding these are the like fundamental capabilities of my voting system. This is how many rankings it can do. This is what a ballot will look like. This is how it counts ranked choice voting ballots. If it can do single winner and proportional ranked choice voting or other varieties. Um, so those are the ways I, I hope people use it, especially at first. And then the other thing, the higher level thing, is I want people to be able to use this to have conversations and engage in the problem solving that's necessary for implementing ranked choice voting. Because... We've learned again and again that like 80 to 90% of things when you're running an election are pretty similar across jurisdictions and relatively portable. That's what we've captured in RCV maps. But what's different is that the last mile problem, the last 10 or 20%, where things do get really specific and different and local. And so I just want to give people that baseline to start from um, so they can start solving the the unique questions that will come up in every range of footing implementation, but have a good starting point. Absolutely. I think that's critical to running the tightest and most, you know, organized campaign is to really know what you're going into and know if there need to be changes to machines or ballot design law or whatever that might be. I I think that's really important. I mentioned that we learned some lessons on the first round in 2021. What about now? What lessons did you learn from this process? I know it's been a little bit different. You've had more hands on the on the work. We have more people or actually more people who are working at the Resource Center now, which is exciting. And would love to know what are some things you would do differently next time or that you learned this time? I, I think a few things I learned this time and they were sort of things I, w- I was like worried about going in, but they, you know, my concerns bore out in reality is we started working on like the updated version of the project last fall. I think my first draft of like the new template I had finished in August, but then election season started really heating up. We started traveling more Then the holidays hit and suddenly it was early 2023 and I hadn't finished writing the new template, the new sort of like the standard information that's in every assessment. And I want, but I wanted to get that done before legislative session started before January rolled around and bills were getting introduced and 
we had to go testify or give feedback on legislation because I knew that would take up a ton of my time. And it turns out I was right. And it was hard to get the template done when I was trying to do all these other things. We eventually did get it done. I think partly because I decided like, this is as much as I can do. I've given, I've like had Ryan, who I hope is really enjoying paternity leave right now and getting some sleep because his wife just had a baby on Friday. You know, I'd given, he had given me feedback and was like, I don't, I have no more thoughts for you. And I just, I, I have this habit of wanting to like find the perfect thing every time. But we, we just got to the point where like it had to get, that project had to get rolling. And then we were traveling all summer and it turns out actually trying to produce a 50 state project, 51 state project while you're traveling around the country is also hard. <laughs> These were things I like knew intellectually going in. And then it turned out like, oh, it was, it was just nice when we were back like at our desks for extended period of time, how good it was to have like deep focus work time and how much you could get done when you were sitting at your desk, like all day, just like banging out these reports. And that was really satisfying personally to be like, to feel backed up and then suddenly like get a ton of stuff done. And then I think (laughs) the other thing, and I sort of ended at this is I'm going to stop trying to reinvent the project every time we start a new version of it. I, I do feel like genuinely, this is a huge improvement on the 2021 version. And I'm sure there will things I will be things I want to improve the next time we make it, probably 2025. But I I don't see nearly as many like big, big things that I feel need sort of overhauling. I think it's at this point we're at the like tweaks and refinements stage. And you know, there will be stuff we learn next year from Portland's ranked choice voting implementation from other jurisdictions implementing ranked choice voting that we'll probably want to include in some way. But none of that will include, like, will require the overhaul that we did for this edition. Absolutely. I think the more RCV grows across the nation, the more we learn, the more we understand, the less reinventing the wheel we have to do on a lot of our projects. Earlier in the process, we were, um, you know, when I first started, we had to reinvent the wheel or we had to invent the wheel. We weren't reinventing the wheel. <laughs> so it's it feels good and it feels exciting to think about a project that we can update without having to redo everything um, in 2025. And I, I do agree with you. It's an odd year project for sure. Even years with big elections can be very challenging and very busy for us and for everyone else around election, the election world. So um, good call on that. So policy department, actually, you're a department of one right now because we do have Ryan on paternity leave and we sort of feel like a little aunt and uncle-ish about this baby since it's our first ranked choice voting baby. We're very excited. Ryan Jr. is here and um, healthy and mom's healthy too. What if people want to learn more about policy areas that you talk about in RCV maps? What what is what should they do? Should they reach out to you? Should, what, what's the process for that? Two things. One, anywhere we have a report or we know of a report that digs in a bit deeper on a policy area we're discussing in RCB maps, ballot design, voter education, recounts and audits, voting systems, et cetera. We make sure to have a footnote or a reference to, to that specific report to saying, you know, if you do want to dig deeper, if you want to learn more about all the the details here of like how ranches footing recounts get conducted, for example, we have a 60 page report. If you want to go read it, please follow this link to do that. Um, And the other thing, yeah, is like I, as the resource center, we want to be here to answer your questions and talk things out with you if you're not understanding something. 
So if you if you look through the report, if you look through through the assessment and then look through our other reports and you're still sort of like, well, what, what about this thing that I'm wondering about in my jurisdiction? Please reach out. We're happy to talk it out. And it only makes us better at our jobs too, right? To know, hey, this is a new unique question that's come up. Let's make sure we have some some information that we can provide for it uh, going into the future. Absolutely. And, you know, we have lots of folks on staff who have worked in elections already. We have Tiffany, who worked in the Alaska ranch choice voting elections. Rosemary's worked in North Carolina, you know, policy experts, comms folks. So reach out to us. We're here to help. And if the person you reach out to can't help you, we'll find somebody on staff who will. And we want to provide our services a- as widely as possible. So definitely reach out to us. Now, we don't take a lot of breaks at the Resource Center. We tend to think, oh, we're finishing up a project. Let's get a minute to breathe. But really, that's not how it works. Uh, We are traveling a lot in November this year, then the holidays. But what is up specifically next for the policy team? What are you all thinking about in terms of resources, things that are happening in the ranked choice voting world? What's next? Through the end of this year, um, I mean, my the thing I'm most interested in is this Boulder risk limiting audit that I mentioned. I'm very curious to see how things go and see what whether we can take the tool they've made, the software they've developed, and any other best practices and get them in used in other jurisdictions. There's not not a lot of other places using ranked choice voting that also have risk limiting audits of their election results. But it's good to know that you know these this expertise is being built up in the world. So I'm excited to see where that goes next. And then the other big things we have in 2024 are, like I mentioned, Portland, Oregon is running their first ranked choice voting election next year. Uh, and we've been working with Multnomah County on that implementation. So I'm very excited to see where that goes next year. Obviously, right at the start of the year, we'll have a new legislative session starting up or the like second year of any two-year legislative terms. So it'll be very interesting to see what comes of all of that. You know, I, I don't know what will happen in these legislative sessions. I expect there will be a lot more, uh, just like we saw this year, I expect there will be quite a few ranked choice voting bills introduced and we'll, we'll see how far any of them get. Uh, chances are, you know, we might get a state or two that adopts ranked choice voting as a local option for presidential primaries starting in 2028 or, or something like that. That'll be, I'm very curious to see where that all goes. And then the other thing I'm we don't have firm plans on is we're not going to be making RCB maps next year, but we'll probably be working on some reports, again, digging in on these policy details. I know one thing we haven't updated in a long time is our report on post-election audits. We have a report on risk-limiting audits, which are a very particular, very rigorous form of post-election audit, but we don't have a report that's generally about like, here's how you think about reviewing your results and reviewing your elections processes for ranked choice voting. So that's floating around in my mind, but I can't make any promises about whether we'll <laughs> we'll be making that report next year. But it's definitely something that's on my mind. I think that sounds interesting. I, I'm really I'm fascinated with the audit process anyway. I think it's obviously it's a necessary part of elections. I'm just curious, and this is something you may or may not know. How many people generally doesn't have to be like a percentage, but how many jurisdictions are trying to do risk limiting audits? Because this is sort of a new thing in all elections, right? Yeah, it's still, you know, it sort of broke onto the scene as an idea, I want to say in like the mid 2000s, but Colorado was the first state to really implement them. And they did that. Don't quote me on this, pretty sure 2016. And it, it took them about a decade to get to that point where they could feel confident that they could regularly run these audits because it's a 
it's a pretty sophisticated process. There's software that has to be built. There's there's a lot of moving parts here that need to get put in place. And when you're breaking ground on a policy idea at all, there, it just takes more time to get it started. But since then, I know Rhode Island has them as well. I know there's a third state, but I'm forgetting who it is. There's been pilots across the country, but the, there's three states actually like fully having implemented risk limiting audits. And I do expect it to grow just because of the political environment we're in. Uh, people, I think, are latching on to these sorts of post-election processes as one way to really rigorously test the results of their contests and say, like, these results are trustworthy. We've really put the data through the ringer to make sure that that our voting systems were counting ballots accurately. Absolutely. And I, I think that's why it's we are so excited about this potential risk limiting audit in Boulder. I guess not potential anymore. They're doing it. It's happening. Yeah, for sure. On a ranked choice voting contest. So I'm looking forward to hearing more about that, seeing that in action. Um, we're hopefully going to have one of our interns on site there to observe and and watch what they're doing and you know take a look at the processes so that we understand it better also. Any ideas about, I know you already sort of addressed this, but I'm going to hit it back on you again anyway. Any ideas about specific things that you might actually want to add or change or do to the next version of RCV Maps? I think substantively, there's not a lot I'm going to want to change. I'm going to want to incorporate any lessons learned from ranchers footing elections next year. I'm sure there will be some stuff where we're like, oh, we could maybe phrase this a little more clearly, or we know more clearly, like these are the tools available to produce results or display results, that sort of thing. I The thing I'm really curious about is I've started seeing, well, it's two things. One, I love how verified voting displays the verifier data. That's the data that they're, where they're tracking all the different equipment used across the country. And I would love to be able to build a piece of our website that sort of does that, but down to the county level for ranked choice voting capability, like using the data that we're producing in the, in the, in the RCV maps reports. I think that'd be really useful to visualize it a bit more and dig in more. It just takes more resources than we've had before on website development to build that sort of tool. And the second thing is there's an organization called Informing Democracy that um, just in the last year or so started putting out reports that really dig in on the on post-election processes, on the logistics of how you generate your final certified results. And they're really, they're really detailed. They're extremely, they're very good reports just showing all these moving parts. And that's the sort of thing that we haven't had the bandwidth to model really fully because we're, again, we're doing like a, a countrywide report. I would love to be able to pull in some of their research and say, hey, here's all these things, here's specific places where ranked choice voting does interact, and you might need to make some process updates. That's an idea. I can't say we'll definitely do that just because it will take a lot of time to do that. But those are, those are the sorts of things that I'm hoping to do is just do a bit more visualization of the data and possibly dig in more on some of the more uh, like complicated parts of the analysis. I really do love the visualizations of data. And I'm I'm also like you really like the verified voting way of doing that. You know, we're always looking for better ways to to share with our public and the people that use our resources visual representations of what's going on. And 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 I think that's a great idea for moving forward with the 2025 version. I'm gonna go ahead and call it 2025 because I know we won't be working on it really in 2024. I think elections folks are gonna be 
very focused on elections um, themselves next year rather than uh, reports about p- potential possibilities um, of voting methods. I guess I should say one last thing I want to make, and I'm hoping we'll be able to try this out a little bit this year or early next year, is short versions of the reports. Right now, they're like it's 20 pages of text, and that's by design. It is supposed to really sort of prove how these things work and how ranked voting works in practice. But it probably wouldn't hurt to have like a one-pager version of each of these reports too. To be corny and use that Mark Twain quote, if I had had more time, I would have written you a shorter letter. Editing is hard and it takes time. And so turning these reports into a single page document I, is something I really want to do, but we need to like make the time to do that. You're definitely speaking my language. I love the one pagers that we already have on various aspects of ranked choice voting and administration. So I would love to see that. I think it makes a quick and easy tool for people to pull and and use in all different kinds of scenarios to educate and to help folks understand more about what implementing RCV might look like in their state. So comms will be happy to help out with that some. So just let us know. Um, Sam might get mad at me for for volunteering us, but I do like that idea. <laughs> and I think people have responded very well to our new series of one-pagers that Ryan put together. So I think that's definitely could be in the future for 2024. So we are to the end of our podcast. And as always... We have a describe something in three words or less. That's our signature question at the end. I want you to describe the editing process, not just the process, the editing process that we went through to make sure everything was correct in RCV maps in three words or less. Go. Rigorous and repetitive. Absolutely. And I would have to add, because a lot of the ones that I was responsible for, I had to be reminded. So I'll add that one to the three words. <laughs> I wasn't going to say Lots it. of things going on. You weren't gonna, I'm glad you weren't going to say that. I called myself out on that one. <laughs> well, thank you, Chris. It's always fun for the two hosts to be on the podcast together. Um, like I said, we don't get to do this very often, but I'm looking forward to some future episodes. Stay tuned. We're getting ready to make some some adjustments to RCV clips to make it even more useful and exciting for everyone. Um, We'll be announcing some of those in the spring. Um, Some upcoming episodes, we hope to do one on the RLA in Boulder. Commissioner Tom Hicks from the EAC will be joining us in the future, um, likely in January, to talk a little bit more about the resources that the EAC has. So, you know, I've got, got a lot of exciting things lined up going into 2024. And we look forward to sharing that with everyone. So thank you, Chris, for being on today. And now for this month's final round, where we share an interesting bit of trivia, a useful tidbit, or something we just thought was cool for folks to know about ranked choice voting. Here's Executive Director Rosemary Blizzard with this month's final round. Hi, listeners. You've just finished listening to Chris Hughes and Kelly Seacrest introduce the latest installment of our RCV Map State Assessment Project. One of my favorite updates to the 2023 version is the data highlighting the percentage of voters who vote in an RCV-capable jurisdiction within a state. This update was suggested to us by one of our longtime supporters from Texas. Thanks, Harriet. If you take the state-by-state data and look at the United States as a whole, an incredible 85% of voters live in an RCV-capable jurisdiction. This amazing fact makes it this month's final round. 
Thank you for joining us today on our November 2023 RCV Clips episode produced by the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center. You can find our show anywhere you listen to podcasts. Make sure to subscribe to the show for the latest episodes and updates and take a minute to rate or review us on your favorite podcast platform. For more information about RCVRC and Ranked Choice Voting, check out our website at www.rcvresources.org. The production of this podcast is supported by the generosity of our donors. Donations can be made directly on the website. Don't hesitate to contact us with any donation questions at donate at rcvresources.org. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at rcvresources and on Facebook and LinkedIn at Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at RCVRC. Our theme music today is Flutterby by Poddington Bear. Until next time, I'm Kelly on behalf of the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center.